and welcome to Hope Church. Why don't you guys stand to your feet as we jump into worship this morning.
victory over our nation. Jesus, we're going to see victory over sickness. Jesus, because it all belongs to you, God. The battle is all in your hands.
Welcome to Hope Church. Whether you're a guest, a regular attendee, or part of the dream team, we're glad that you made it to the barn this morning. Our mission is simple. We exist to help our community see God for who He is, see ourselves the way God sees us, and to love others the way God loves us. Hope Church is a place where you can belong before you believe. We want you to find community here, regardless of who you are and what your background is. One can describe Hope Church as an intergenerational ministry. This means that we embrace the diverse age groups in our church. We walk through life together and discover God's incredible plan alongside each other. This is the DNA of our culture. 
We also have a dynamic ministry for you and your family. On Sunday mornings, we worship with passion and listen to a message that is both practical and transformational. We have a lively children's ministry where your kids can learn about God while having fun. Our students meet every Sunday where your tweens and teens can find a place to belong. And we have Group Life, our small groups ministry, where people do life together in homes all over Plain City. If you're a guest with us today, we want to connect with you. All you need to do is to fill out the Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Then, meet us at the Connect Center in the lobby after the service. We'll have a gift for you. Thank you again for coming, and we'll see you next week. Good morning, Hope Church. How are we today? Awesome. Well, hey, I just just really appreciate our worship team. It's just so exciting to see both our adults and our students uh, working together to bring just a wonderful worship experience for them. So uh, thank you so much. It's just uh, so great to see that. So um, just got a few announcements today. I just wanted to kick off uh, just, just a reminder about our tithes and offerings. Uh, we just want to thank for those who uh, faithfully give to Hope Church. Uh, we've got some wonderful programs coming up. And just wanted to remind you there's different options. We do have a bucket in the back in case you want to drop something off in there. Uh, but we also have many different online ways that you can give as well. So just want to thank you so much uh, for your faithful giving, especially during this time. And uh, whoa, okay. Um, and uh, and we're just just excited to see what's to come. So, um, uh, along those uh, uh, similar lines, we do have our uh, regular Tuesday evening prayer call that's coming up here. It's going to be every Tuesday evening at seven thirty p.m. Uh, via uh, a phone or via Zoom. So, if that's something that you would like to be involved in, uh, we have the login information uh, available uh, in the HC Weekly that we send out on Saturday. But we'll send out a little reminder here either on Monday or Tuesday morning uh, just to. To remind that information. We'd love for as many people to be a part of that call. Uh, it's just 20 minutes of your time, and we're just going to lift uh, the needs um, of Hope Church and of the world, especially during uh, as election is quickly approaching and just all the events that are going around the world. is not a better time to pray. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. Also, uh, we are partnering with um, our, our foster uh, care team here with the Assemblies of God and Hope Church. Uh, we have decided uh, to commit to uh, trying to come up with gift cards for teens that are in foster care. So our church is committed to or getting $25 gift cards and getting 11 of those that we can pass out to um, the teens in the, in the foster care system and just a great way to kind of support them during this holiday season. So if that's something that you're interested in, I know our Women of Hope have already, uh, this has already been uh, mentioned to them, but I would love for our Hope Church to be uh, involved with that. So uh, begin to start thinking how you can uh, bless in that way. Maybe you can't give a full $25 gift card, but you want to just maybe do a special offering and put 5 or $10 in, and we'll make sure that that goes to uh, that specific need. So we'd love for you to be involved with that as we as Christmas uh, quickly approaches. As we've seen on Hallmark, if you didn't know, they started their Christmas movies. So, uh, so just had to put that out there for the community to know that as well. But, of course, uh, for those who like to wait to decorate for Christmas, um, uh, maybe it's before Thanksgiving but after Halloween, uh, we do have Candy Palooza at home coming up here in the next week. If you haven't picked up your, uh, your candy tube uh, in the back, make sure you grab that in a bag of candy. Uh, just a great way to serve our community uh, as our kids uh, dress up. 
um, here in the upcoming week, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. And don't forget to take your pictures and and uh, uh, post that on your social media. Use the hashtag, hashtag HCPalooza, and we will be giving away some prizes uh, here next week uh, for uh, the most innovative uh, candy tube as well as the most creatively decorated candy tube as well. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. Those um, uh, candy tubes are in the back in uh, the bags of candy. So uh, please take one of those um, uh, before you leave if that's something of interest to you. And also, just wanted to highlight our Women of Hope as well. They're starting their own. Um, they're going to be praying together here uh, starting in November on Sunday evenings. Um, so if that's something of interest to you, you can uh, talk to my wife, Amy. She's uh, getting that all planned. That's going to be starting here uh, uh, beginning in November uh, at Sundays at 7 p.m. Uh, that's going to be via Zoom as well. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. So. Okay, well, that's all the announcements that I have. I did want to announce um, uh, or introduce our uh, wonderful Nate, um, and he has given me, he's got a new middle name. So, um, Nate's God's gift to us, Grenier. Let's welcome him as he comes forward. Says God's gift. So, I go around and tell people, I am God's gift to you. And then she just is like, oh. It's true. It's okay. You can blame my parents for it. I am God's gift to you. No, I'm joking. All right. Um, let's pray together, and then we're going to begin. Um, and I thought, let's pray since elections coming up next week. Um, let's specifically pray for this election. Um, as we, if you read throughout the biblical text, you see in the book of Daniel, God is the one who appoints the rulers of the nations. And so as much as we Americans think we have the power, we have, it's actually God who actually does that. So let's get our mind correct with that, and let's pray to God and ask the Lord to choose the right one that's going to lead us. And then whatever from that point forward, we're just going to trust in faith as we grow together. So let's pray for this specific time. Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we get to be together um, as believers in you. God, I thank you for this wonderful country that has been created on freedom and this freedom that we get to hold, that we get to possess, we get to have the responsibility to vote and opportunity to elect the people that are into office. But God, we know biblically you're the one. You're the one who has put the person already in place. You're the one who's already made it happen. God, you're the one who appoints the kings, the rulers of this world. And we don't understand why you do certain things that you do, but we just trust that your plan is the right one. And so, God, I pray for all of us as we are figuring out this whole voting thing, who is it going to be, and God, most importantly, with all the unrest that goes with this election. God, the fears and the problems that might come out of it, God, I just pray against that in your name. And God, I most importantly pray for us as Hope Church that we would be those Christians that promote peace and unity, that we would promote faith that Regardless of what happens, you're on the throne. You're the king, and we can go to you. So God, I pray that you would just give us a peace about this, that you would give us your fresh spirit to help us to breathe and to know that you're in charge at the end of the day. And no matter what happens, our life with you is all that matters. And how we act with other people is what matters. So thank you, Lord, so much for this time that we get to be together. In your name, amen. All right, cool. So we're finishing up this series in Jonah, and then starting next week, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, but I want to encourage you, if you have not, fill out that church survey. 
So this is what's going to happen. I've already got approval from the boss, Mr. Bill, wherever he is. There he is. Um, he said it was okay to do this. If we, uh, so far there's been seven responses, right, Mimi, that came in? All right, so seven responses. Obviously, there's more than seven people in this room. So in order to help this going, if not enough surveys come in this coming week, if you don't fill it out online or if you need a paper form, we can give that to you. Next Sunday, we will actually take 10 minutes of our service time for you to fill it out. And if you have any questions or any, like, hey, I don't know what this means or whatever, we'll, the board and I and Peter, I'm sure we can help explain what this actually means. So if you want to wait till next Sunday, we'll do it. If you want to say, hey, let's get it done, let's get it done. But that survey is really key for the board to put together what you want as Hope Church for a lead pastor so they can submit that to the network office so then they can start getting candidates for it to be this position. The longer it takes for that survey to come in, the longer it takes for that that uh, those interviews will take place. So, um, so yeah, if you can do that, that'll be great. If not, we'll we'll make a decision next week, and if we decide to do it in the house in this house or not. But let's finish up our series in Jonah. And uh, thank you for allowing Sharon and I to kind of be away for the last two weeks. Um, well, not it was actually a week. It was two Sundays. Um, it was absolutely amazing blessing from God. There was probably one little issue on vacation, but the entire time was probably the first time. And since we've opened the sh Coffee Connections, this is the first vacation that her and I got away and we came back and there were zero issues with our business. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for this blessing. Thank you so much. Normally get back and there's drama, there's problems, there's lack of this, lack of this. And the Lord just blessed the team leading as we were gone four years. Just thank you, Lord. There's just no way. So thank you, guys. Um, I appreciate Al, who spoke on week two, and he talked about uh, the prayer with Jonah, discovering our greatest need, and then my friend Josh Williford, who did an amazing job talking about how we should tell other people about Jesus, and that fear that we get to tell people about, that we're kind of scared about it, but their eternity weighs into there. So today, we're going to finish up Jonah, and we're going to talk about uh, chapter four, and I kind of we, if you want to bring up the summary screen, you can do that if it comes up. I had a hard time with Pros Presenter this week. I about was done with it. So thankfully, Doug is amazing, and we figured it out. So good job. Can we give Doug a round of applause? He's a, I mean, hero, hero. All right. So fear unchecked can lead to anger, can lead to hate, and can lead to suffering. Does anybody know where I got that from? Where did I get that line from? Come on, nerds go. Star Wars. I knew my nerds were in the house somewhere. Exactly. Um, episode one of Star Wars, which was probably deemed by most society as the worst movie ever, um, there is a brilliant... See, she's shaking her head. She goes, yes, it was, right? Okay. Because of Jar Jar Binks, is that the reason why? Sure. Okay. All right. So I just want to make sure. Everyone has their own reasons. All right. So there's a scene there where little Anakin Skywalker is presented to the Council of the Jedi Masters. And they're asking him a bunch of questions. They have a tablet, and he's saying, speeder, right? He's doing all these things, right? And then and little Anakin's just standing. He's a little boy, and he's just kind of, you can tell he's nervous. He's shaking a little bit. And then Yoda asks him, asks him how, how feel you, or how, how you feel? And he says, I'm cold, sir. And he's like, well, are you afraid? And he goes, yes, I'm afraid. Why are you afraid is about you? And then Mace Windu, who's amazing, says, Samuel L. Jackson, he says, it's for your mother, right? And he's like, yeah. And then, and he, then he basically shots out. He's like, so what about my mother? And then Yoda says, breaks into this line. He goes, your fear for your mother means everything. Because the fear will turn into anger. That anger will turn into hate. And then that hate will turn into suffering. 
and the entire saga of the Star Wars series is watching this reality play out in his life. What's crazy about it is that Anakin's walking through this, but then if you read Jonah chapter 4, we see the exact same progression happen in Jonah's life. And we can see the exact same um, uh, progression happen in our lives when we live into this fear. The fear can turn into anger because it, we can't control what's going on, and it leads us to, like, ah, I can't do this, right? It, feels, it leads us to anger. And then anger, in order to protect ourselves, turns into, to, turns into hate. It's you versus me. And then when we start battling that you versus me, then we're hurting other people, and then that, that creates that suffering, and we've lost. We see this in our society so well. And Jonah 4, chapter 4, is really about a big word that is in our society, and it's even more in our society prevalent, is the word justice. Jonah, we are going to see, wants justice on a city that deserves it. He wants justice on a city that he did not want to go to. And we're going to figure out, we're going to find out why. Jonah tells God why he did not want to go in the first place. But justice, biblically, justice is God's act of making right what went wrong. Now, this is the one trait of God that we as a society, we as human beings, we love to role play justice. I mean, just think about this. From a toddler throwing a massive uh, tantrum to maybe a massive crime, justice is what drives us as a society to say, that's wrong, I'm going to make it right. That's what we do, but that's God, that's what he does, and that's how we do this. But what God does, he does it in the right way to make it happen for his purpose, for, this, for the good of all. When we treat justice... We do it through a way of our preferences and our tolerances. And when the justice doesn't happen the way we want it to go down, all of a sudden it's an injustice. I don't disagree. I disagree with that. That's not okay. That's an injustice. Why? Because it comes directly at my heart, and it's not what I want, and I want justice. You know, through our lives, we experience this pain of reality. So we crave this justice we would all agree there is wrong in this world and there's everything inside of us that wants to make it right, right? We see things happening left and right in our society or maybe even in our personal lives. We just want it to be right. That's justice. We have that justice inside of us and we want to control that some way. But there's only two paths when we want to create our own justice. We can do the fear way, which means that when the injustice isn't dealt with and not in the severity that we deem it necessary, we start getting afraid. And that fear turns into anger. That anger then turns into hate. That hate then turns into suffering. Or we can flip it, which makes no sense at all, but is what God wants us to do. We can do the peaceable route, which means this is in the hands of God. I'm just going to respond how I need to respond, and I'm going to do it in the right way, but God is going to make it right at the end of the world. And unfortunately, our society does not take the peaceable route at all at all completely just think here, here are some issues that go on from social issues like black lives matter to sex trafficking there's tension there there's tension there to the political issue of one group bent on destroying the other group's work there's tension there 
to economic. This is, there's a clear distinction between the people that have and the people that have not. There's a distinction internally, how we struggle with decisions that we've made or other people made toward us that makes our life either easy or hard. These injustices surround every decision that you make as a human being, every decision that I make as a human being, and we want everything we can under our power to control it. Why? Because nothing gets us more afraid when justice is out of our hands. It's not fair. But we love being the ones that hand out the justice, right? Absolutely love it. What we don't love is when it's done, the injustice is done toward us. It's one thing to say, shame on you, death to those people. How dare you? It's another thing when that starts directing at you, oh, right? It starts hurting. It starts like, how dare you? Sometimes we forget that with the injustice. And this is where we see Jonah struggling with God in this moment. Because he wants death to these people. And God's saying, hang on. And he wants to die. He's done with it. Because if the, if the story was reversed and it was on Jonah, I don't want the justice of God. I don't want to die. I don't, I, don't, I don't want this stuff. So we start seeing injustice play in his head. All right, so Jonah chapter 4, 11 short verses, and we're going to break them up into different sections. So let's read verses 1 through 4. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can open that on your phone. It's under the events, or we're going to read it here on the screen together. All right, chapter 1. Sorry, verse 1. So in chapter 3, at the end, Jonah sits. He's waiting for this destruction on the city. Doesn't happen. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? We have the reason why Jonah ran the other way in chapter 1. It wasn't shown to us in chapter 1. We had to wait to the end of the, end of the book to figure it out. Here's the reason why. This is why I ran to, went away to Tarshish. I knew you were merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love. Isn't that amazing? Jonah knew that, and he didn't want these people to experience it. Talk about an injustice. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted did not happen. Jonah is watching an injustice happen right in front of him, and he's not happy. He wants these people dead. He wants what he prophesied to literally happen, and it didn't happen. It drove him nuts. It's not fair. But when we look at this passage and we look at part of our life, aren't you glad does, God does not do what you deserved? Like, I'm glad about that in my life. If God, if God gave me what I deserved, I would not be here right now. I would not have an amazing wife and four daughters. I would not even by far have a coffee shop. There's no way in God's green earth that this would be happening if God did what I deserved. But on the flip side, how many of us can share a story when we ask God to do something and he did not do anything? How frustrating, how injustice is that, that God did not do what we wanted to do? And we see the key here in chapter 2. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn your back from destroying people. We forget the justice of God is the compassion of God. Why? Because we as humans pay, make them pay. They made you hurt, I'm going to make you pay. What does God say to Jonah? Yeah, you're right, they deserve it. No, 
That's not how God does it. And it pisses Jonah off. So let's read the next part in chapter five through eight, or verses five through eight. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And as soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun, this eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Next part, please. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, so it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorch. You guys seeing a pattern here? God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The heat beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Now, if we go back to chapter 1, you will also find out at the end of chapter 1, God arranged for what to take Jonah? The fish. Do you see what God's doing here? God's arranging for events to happen in Jonah's life to show him that he's a compassionate, he's a loving God, and what is Jonah doing? Death to them! Die! This is not fair! Whatever! And, God, and jo God's trying to show Jonah, hey, this is how I want your attitude to change. This is how I want you to see. God is arranging all this stuff to happen, and then God is showing Jonah what he really needs, not what he wants. And this can be very frustrating when it comes to injustice, because God does not give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And that's frustrating when it comes to injustice. So God is showing Jonah that his attitude is wrong, his heart is wrong, and the same thing can be said to us. There are many times that God will do something for you or for me that we just don't understand, and it's like, God, you're either for me one day and you're against me the next. I don't understand what's going on. Just know that God is arranging your life in such a way to show you where you're wrong and where you're off. The injustice of God to offend me. No, no, no. You deserve death. You deserve destruction like the city of Nineveh. But God's compassionate. He's loving. He's merciful. He doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to love on you and bring you close to him. That's the justice of God. That's what he's trying to show Jonah. And Jonah's saying, I'd rather die. Let's go to the next part. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Now, Jonah, God asked Jonah this question twice in this chapter. Is it right for you to be angry? It's like, it's like me going to my child, to Annika, when she's upset about something. And I'm like, is it really right for you to be angry at your sister? Like, that's what God's saying here to Jonah, okay? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. He's going to change God's mind because I don't want to die. God's going to be like, okay, I don't want you to die. I'm going to change my mind, right? Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. God arranged it. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. That is an interesting line, not to mention all the animals. Sometimes we just think about human beings, we don't think about the creation. That's a very interesting line there. Shouldn't I feel sorry for, eat for such a great city? God is showing Jonah that his attitude is completely out of control and is wrong. God's the one who created the city. God created the people. Those people created this great city. God also created the world. He created this nature, and, God, and Jonah wants control over it. Because what? What did he do? He came and prophesied. He said, hey, this thing, you don't repent, you're going to die. In the back of his head, he's probably saying, I hope you die anyways. But it's not happening here. 
Jonah is out of, he has no control over the situation that is happening, and he's mad at God and not okay with it. Not okay with it. It's not, it's not okay with him. This is an injustice to Jonah's life and to his calling and to what he called to do. He says, this is not fair. And so he is making a statement, and God is trying to show Jonah, you cared about this plant that you never did anything about. And you're so mad about the plant, but you're not mad about the people being saved? Like, this is not fair, right? God is showing Jonah something. The word sorry here in verse, in verse 10, I, you feel sorry. That word sorry there, that the Lord tells Jonah, is the word that means to have pity or have compassion. So Jonah felt compassion. He had pity about the plant. And then God says, shouldn't I have pity or compassion on the great city? So Jonah grieved something that the Lord grew. But Jonah didn't grieve over something the Lord provided as well. His actions, his attitude was completely off, was not the same, of, same as God. And like I said, aren't you glad that you do not get, you're not getting the justice of God in your life? The freedom, the, the, the joy of that happening. So Jonah shows us, and God is showing Jonah, hey, compassion is the ruler of justice. That is what happens. There was one time, a couple years ago, I was um, driving my uh, Jeep, actually the red Jeep here, and I had a trailer behind me, and I had the coffee bike in that trailer. And I was going on 270, and someone, I changed the lane, and someone hit the back of my trailer. And it spun the trailer around, and I, I was on like maybe lane three or four on 270, going toward Polaris, and I cut right across the line in 270, right near a bridge, and thankfully I stopped, and it was just probably the most horrifying horrifying thing I've ever experienced my entire life. I got out of the car. I was not harmed, but I looked out of my window, and one car spun right in front of me, and another car spun in front of that person, just backed up 270 for miles. Um, I was freaked out. I got out of the car immediately. I went to every single car. Are you okay? Are you okay? You're okay. Cops show up. Fire department shows up. Start tailing the scene. Um, one guy says it's this person's fault. The other person says, well, I'm not sure what happened. I just saw this car go on. And it freaked me out because I'm like, I've never been part of a major accident like this before. We just bought this Jeep. We just bought this trailer for the coffee bike to do the things that God wants us to do. And all of a sudden, we just got this accident that both things technically should be totaled. And I'm freaking out about this whole thing. And the cops were like, well, they're like, no one's really coming forward to say, here's the guilty party. So we're just going to give you the ticket and just say, you're the one who caused the accident. I'm like, but I, I, do, I don't think I did anything. I'm looking at the back of my trailer. I'm like, this is right. Later on, I went home. No joke. I took two of, my, two of our car, little kid cars, and I role-played the accident with the car thinking, I'm like, well, the damage is on this side of the trailer. So if I hit the car here, then it should have spun this way, right? But that didn't happen. It spun the other way. So I'm like, so someone hit me. That's what happened. The cops are like, I'm sorry. We're, no one's, we'll, we'll just give it to you because you had a trailer, and, but you can take it up at court. I've never been to court before. Freaking out. Freaking out, going, I'm going to jail. Love you, Sharon. Like, this is bad. Like, I've never, ever been to court. How have you been? Okay, be honest. Be honest. How many of you have ever been to, like, a court of law before? Raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. I'm not, how am I not surprised? <laughs> Love you, Jordan. Um, 
Um, how many of you, okay, so I'm freaked out, right? So we took the day off, Sharon came with me. I could have been myself. I'm like, no, Sharon's my rock. I need her with me because you know, I'm an introvert, whatever. And so I, I, she's with me. We're on the floor watching. I'm just, I'm nervous. I'm just shaking. I'm nervous. I have pictures. I have the summons. I've got the ticket. I've got my little car scenario trying to show the judge that this isn't my fault, right? I had this thing planned, right? I was freaked out. I was really nervous. And we got there, and it was like our section of terms before this judge and thankfully, the Lord provided for us someone down on the other end of our community. Uh, they, they were lawyers. And thankfully, this one lawyer in this house, we just share a scenario, and they're like, don't feel like they're singling you out. This happens to everybody. They just don't, cops don't know who to blame, so they just blame somebody, and they just know more than likely it's just not, you're not going to get fined for it. Just, just go ahead and do this. They're like, but whatever you do in the court, be respectful, listen. And don't push your issue. Just be respectful. And I'm like, okay. They're like, but we also know who this judge is. She's brand new into the bench, so she's trying to learn her way around of things. And she's like, I will actually be in the building. I'll just be a couple floors below you. If for some reason you're having an issue or the prosecutor doesn't understand or maybe they're not seeing you because they were like, be here at like 8 o'clock. And she's like, you could be there until 6 o'clock at night, depending on how many people they have to see. I'm like, I don't want to spend all day here. Right? She's like, just give me a call. I'll come up and I'll talk to the prosecutor and judge and let's see if maybe I can pull some strings for you. And I was like, okay. Like, I hope I don't have to do that, right? So we're sitting and they're bringing person after person. I mean, people in chains. There's people sitting down that are nervous, that are coming up. And the judge is like, and I saw an amazing display of justice that I've never seen before. Probably the most significant one is the person comes out of the side room, and there's a lot of hustle and bustles. Lawyers are coming up, your honor, my client did not do something. Okay, yep, we understand. All right, we'll just reduce your fine to $100. Next court, boom. And they were just moving on. It was just like a casual conversation. And I'm thinking, I'm like, CSI, Judge Judy. I'm like, I'm expecting drama. And it's just like normal conversation. I'm saying, like, what's going on? Then they brought this person in. And I don't remember if it was a male or female, but they brought, they brought them in. I think it was a female, right? She had chains on her. I don't know. Anyways, brought her from the side room. There was two police officers next to her. Brought her forward, and she stood off to the side. And um, the the, uh, the um, prosecutor was like, "Your Honor, uh, this person uh, violated their parole. Um, we recommend another three years in prison and another fine of a hundred or some X amount amount." And I'm thinking, like, how's this person going to pay for this, right? And I'm like, I'm looking at the whole scene, and the judge is like, "Thank you so much," and just started talking to their lady. She's like, "So what happened?" I'm like, wait a minute. She asked the accused what happened? She even talked to the lawyer? I'm like, what's going on here? And the lady started talking about the experience and what happened and that sort of thing. And, and, and she's, like, she's like, well, she's like, I saw you about a month or so ago in here, right? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I was. And she goes, so why aren't you doing what I asked you to do? I told you to go see a counselor. Well, I just, I didn't want to do that. And the judge is like, you know where I'm trying to help you, right? You're making it worse for you. And she's like, I'm going to not worry about the three years in prison. I'm thinking, like, what did you just say? And she's like, I'm, I'm requiring you now. Before it was a suggestion, now I'm requiring you court-mandated order. You're going to go to counseling. And I don't ever want to see you back in my courtroom. I want to see you out in the public so we can have coffee together. I'm thinking, like, what just happened? I'm sitting there going, like, this is not what I see on TV. So I'm, I'm, we're sitting there, it's like two, three hours, and we haven't moved. I'm just sat there patiently, Sharon's doing her work, I'm just listening, I'm taking notes on what I'm seeing, because I've never been in a courtroom before. 
never been part of this process before. Prosecutor calls us in the back room. We go into the double doors. He opens up his binder. He's like, okay, so I see you got an accident on 33. Um, it looks like you ran into a... What? No. I know. And I showed them the ticket. And he's like, yeah, I got the same ticket. I was like, no, no, I was on 270. And someone hit my trailer, and I have a whole schematic. He's like, no, 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 I don't care about that. He's like, you were on 33, and you hit a pole. And he had a whole drawing of the cops. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, I, that wasn't me. He was like, well, we don't have your court case. And I'm like, am I in trouble? He's like, no. He goes, it's our fault. Guess what? Your case will be dismissed, more than likely. He goes, just hang tight. I'm going to present it, and uh, the judge is going to know, and you'll be completely excused of all charges, all fines, all whatever. The cop wasn't there because he was busy doing other things, so there was no witness. Whoever hit me was not there to witness. None of the other cars that got in an accident were there to be a witness to the situation. So the judge was like, case number blah, 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 step up, and I'm step up. I'm like, oh, God, don't say anything stupid. Just be respectful, <laughs> right, okay? And I go to the judge, and she's like, um, Mr. Grenier? I'm like, yes. She goes, it looks like we have the wrong case file for you. She goes, so because of this discrepancy on the court's part, you are pardoned of all cases. Do you have anything you wish you'd like to say to the court? And I said, this is my first, I'm like, yes, this is my first time in court. I've never seen such a gracious act of justice in my life towards people. And she's like, thank you for saying that. She goes, I've actually watched you. And she goes, is that your wife? I'm like, yes, my wife. She's like, I was actually watching you guys because you guys were just patiently waiting your turn. Now, there were people in that row that were not patient. They were getting up, answering the phone, going to the blade. I need to go now. I need to go to work. My kid wants this. They were demanding all these things. She goes, you guys showed me a wonderful display of patience to this justice system. And she goes, so because of your respect for the court system, she goes, I'm not even going to charge you the fine that you had to be here for today because you have to pay to be in court. She goes, I'm going to waive that fine for you. Thank you for being patient. Have a good rest of your day. And we walked out. I'm like, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> That is how your sin with God is. You deserve a ticket. You deserve the separation. But you are faced with a compassionate judge. Go to, the, go to the compassion slide there. What are the things we know about God? You're surrounded with a compassionate judge that is patient, that is merciful, that is unfailing in love. He does not want you to be destroyed. He loves you too much. You deserve that ticket. You deserve that destruction by your own actions. But God did not do that because he's compassionate. And when he sent Jesus into this world to take the full brevity of God's justice on his only son who did nothing wrong, we have now this freedom to enter into God's presence and to be in relationship with him. How amazing is that? So we're going to prepare ourselves for communion. So as you might have found, there's communion seats. So whoever's going to be coming to play the piano, go right ahead. Thank you very much. The justice of God. You have to understand that sin separates us from God. But it doesn't even just separate us from God. It also causes damage to our other human beings. Your life is not so perfect your voting for a certain candidate is not so glorious. The way you decide to run your family or your business or your nonprofit isn't so amazingly God-blessed that you're the one that's promoting unity within this messy world. No, 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 that's not your job. That's what Jesus did. Because every action you take, you actually cause disunity and hurt and pain to the people next to you. You deserve to be punished. I deserve to be punished. 
But that's not how God views you. That's not how God understands you. That's not, he didn't create you like that. That's the sin. And he gives you the free pass because of what Jesus did for your life. How crazy is that? God is trying to tell Jonah in the scripture, thank you very much, sir. God is trying to show Jonah in the scripture, you feel sorry for the plant that you had nothing to do with, but you don't feel sorry for a city that you had nothing to do with. It's probably the worst passage in the Bible that I think is the worst passage in the Bible. You can find it in Genesis 6, 6. And this is right, right before the flood, right before Noah's called to build the ark. It says, the Lord was sorry. Now the world at this point is just crazy. Like people are doing whatever the heck they want to do. They're disobeying God. It's just nuts. And this is what the scripture says. Look it up, Genesis 6, 6. So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them. Who's them? Humans. And put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Congratulations, you break God's heart. Isn't that exciting? Yay! All right, have a good rest of your day, everybody. You broke God's heart. I broke God's heart. But what does God do? He redeems what's going on. You don't get the justice that God, that you deserve. That's injustice. That's not fair. Jesus' death on the cross is probably the most massive injustice to all of human history. Someone who did nothing wrong, paying for a penalty for what you did. That's injustice. But we look biblically, that's the compassion of God. That he took that on. That he took that burden, that sin, that weight, that separation. And then he defeated it in the grave. And then he rose again and said, hey, this is what life of God is like. Communion is a wonderful reminder of that injustice. So before we begin, Paul instructs us in the scriptures to evaluate our life before we take communion. And so we're going to pause for a moment, and I want you to think about the wrongs that you have done in your life. I can see there's a lot of people in this room that are just tearing up. I want you to think about all that. I want it to sink in, sink in, sink in this reality that you do not deserve this. What do you think of the sin that you've done in your life? Or maybe the purposeless or the purposeful disunity that you are causing or have caused in your life or whatever the deal is. Why do we make decisions like this? Because it's my way or the highway. That's justice. No. It's arrogance. God is the one who forgives you. He is the one who brides you close to him. And because of that, we take communion to remember what Jesus did for us. So let's pause. Consider your sin for a moment. If you need to confess that sin, go ahead and start talking to God. He's listening. He's here. He cares about you. Maybe something was done against you and it's not fair. I want it to be paid for. I want, it to, I want, I want them to suffer. As we see in Jonah, it's in the hands of God, not you. You need to let that go and you allow the peace of God to enter your spirit and give you a peace and a rest. Let's pause for a second and consider that.
Thank you. Oh God, we thank you for your forgiveness and your unfailing love, your compassionate heart. But God, when we want justice, you remind us through communion that this is unjust. This should never have happened. But because you're a compassionate God, slow to anger, not wanting people to be destroyed, you loved us so much that you took that upon you took that sin, that separation. And we take it as a body, as, as believers in Jesus, saying we remember what Jesus did. All right, you may open your packets. And still in the respect version of prayer, let's, let's take it a little way from here. Jesus instructed his disciples to do this as often as they met together. Traditionally, in the Jewish um, setting, um, Passover was an important part of their DNA in their life. This was something that was usually taken apart during a meal. One of the coolest things you can do, we got Thanksgiving coming up and Christmas, is do communion with your family. Right? The Bible doesn't say a pastor must lead communion. It just, right? Lead communion. So let's hold the wafer together. The Bible says that Jesus, his body was torn, was ripped to shreds, and he was nailed to a cross and hung. Probably the, one of the worst ways of execution human history has come up with. He did that for you. You deserve to be on that cross. You deserve that pain. You deserve that suffering. But God is a compassionate God. He loves you, and he did it for you. So let's take the wafer together. Thank you. Next, let's take the juice. Biblically, during this mealtime, there'd be uh, cups or goblets of, of wine that was passed during the, during the Passover meal. And this was given a time to remember the blood that was slain uh, and the, the Passover, right? The lamb, the, the blood of the lamb that was marked around the doorhouse before they left Egypt. So the, the angel of death would pass, angel of death, think about that. Angel of death would pass over them. Jesus says that the, the drink, the wine, the juice that we're drinking is a representation. Some people think it really as Jesus' actual blood, depending on some church traditions. This is Jesus' blood. The Bible says that he was pierced for your transgression, that he bled. It wasn't just, oh man, he had a couple drops of blood. No, he bled on that cross for you. Scripturally, in order for someone to be right with God, the scriptures say, if you can read it in the Old Testament, there had to be the shedding of blood in order for your sins to be forgiven. And usually it was a lamb or a goat, or if you if you were too poor to have that, it was a couple turtle doves. If you were beyond that, it, the, the priest had things ready there for, for what was needed. Because God wanted blood. Now why does God want blood to make people right? I don't know. It could be that there's life in the blood. When the blood's pumping and moving, there's oxygen, and that gives us life. When the heart stops, it's over. It could be because God wants us to understand that blood's important. 
and God wants to symbolize that. So I'm not God, so I don't understand why God wants to use blood. We can do all scientific mumbo-jumbo that we want, but let's just say this is what Jesus said. Let's take it at face that. His blood was shed for you so you can be forgiven, which means when he bled and his blood dripped down from the cross and entered the earth, that became your washing. That became you right with God. That's amazing. So let's take this cup together. Jesus, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for, oh, you did it. Sorry. Um, squirrel, my apologies. Um, Jesus, thank you for your love in our life. Thank you for forgiving us, Lord. We don't deserve it. God, thank you that you were patient with Jonah, that when he was mad that you did not do what you said you would do, God, you didn't strike him dead in that spot. You didn't even answer his prayer. God, he wanted to die, but you did not do that. God, you restored him, and you showed him the compassionate God. God, I pray for us as we leave this spot, as we enter this very crazy political season, as we enter the end of 2020, and we enter 2021. God, I pray that we would receive this word from you in Jonah 4 and we would change drastically how we treat ourselves and other people. God, we would be compassionate toward other people. We would be slow to anger. We would love. We would not want people to be destroyed. So that, God, that means our actions, our words, God, I pray that you would stop us when it's divisive. I pray that you would stop us when it's destructive. I pray that you would stop us when it's to harm somebody else, even if we're trying to prove that we're right. Oh, Lord, show us. Every day, as we're figuring this life out of faith, grow us as people. In your precious and wonderful name, So next Sunday, our first, let's take a breath. I was, that was like, oh, way more intense than I was expecting to be. Um, next Sunday, we're going to, Peter and I kind of talked in Amy and Sharon, we were in the car yesterday out of Ashley's wedding, which was absolutely beautiful and wonderful. It was such a wonderful time. All those are there. We had a really good time with that. Um, we were talking back, and one of the things that, being an interim pastor, that I, I think is kind of fun is, I get to hear from all of you. And I get to hear how you're doing. And I get to hear what your struggles are. And I get to hear how God is shaping you. And I just want to encourage you during this time, because Sharon and I have been through pastoral transitions before. We've experienced it personally, and we've helped other people through it. You may be through a season right now, and starting next week, we're going we're gonna to dive into it, is, is hearing you. So I may come to you and ask you this question. How is God growing you during this time? How is your faith growing this time? When has God disappointed you? How have you dealt with that? I want to do like an interview style with you, with Hope Church, because I think you all need to hear from each other about how God is growing you. Because this is what I'm hearing from everybody. I'm struggling right now. Yep, we all are. Don't forget, God is a compassionate. Bring that up again for me, would you mind? God is a compassionate God. He did not 
say, oh, Julian Shelby left. No, there goes the whole plan. I don't know what to do. I guess the church is done. No, no, no. God is patient with you. Which means, which means, you may be like, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have a lead pastor. Uh, right? No, no, no. He's patient. That means he's growing you. That means the uncomfortableness, the unsuredness, all of the doubt that's in your mind and your body right now, that's okay. If my friend Jason was here, him and I would really poke fun at each other because anytime God grows one of us, we'd always sit back going, isn't it great that God's growing you right now? And anytime that one of us is not going through it, we just want to punch the other person because like, you're a jerk. Like, it's not fair. Remember, God is patient with you right now. This is a process. He's compassionate to you. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. You're not going to do something that pisses God off during this time. You're not going to ruin Hope Church by your decisions. You're not God. You're not God's amazing gift to Hope Church. Now, I am because of my name. I'm joking. <laughs> joking, joking. I hope you took that not serious at all. Um, remember, God does not want you to be destroyed during this time. So if you feel like your faith is all over the place, if you feel like, man, I'm not doing a good job, or I feel like I don't have nothing to work, you need to press into God, and you need to hear from each other how you're doing that. So we're going to do that. So if you have a story through your life, and maybe you're experiencing something, I want you to tell me, because I want to interview you up here. Now, I want you to check your emotion first. Are you up here because you want to say, this is what I'm growing, or are you up here because you want the limelight? There's a difference. I don't want arrogant, proud people up here. That's not going to do the body good at all. I want people who are saying, you know what? I am learning this about God in my life and during this time. And I hate every moment of it. But I know God's going to be faithful. Or maybe you have a story in your life, a big story in your life. That may be a time where you can say, hey, I'm going to do this. And God showed me these things. That is what God wants, and that's what I'm going to do starting next Sunday. So let me know. You're going to tell me after church. I'm writing your name down. You're in. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'll be next week. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Give him a hand. He responded. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's going to share right now. I love it. Cool. Action of faith. Let's do it. Right? Let's not stop. So if you have a story, please let me know. If you don't have my email or you don't have my phone number, let Pastor Peter know. He's going to let me know i got to start getting people together, hearing your story, and seeing how it works for the next couple of Sundays. Because I think you need to hear from each other. I think you need to hear how you're not alone in this. You're growing in your family, you're growing in your business, you're growing in your whatever you're doing, and you're struggling. You're not sure, am I really doing a good job? It's always the question when a leader leaves. Is, am I, am I, I have no direction right now. Your direction right now is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings who made you. That's your direction right now. And something Sharon and I have learned through transition, and you're not going to like this, this is the time to play and have fun. Because Jesus is leading you. He, he's doing that right now. Which means that when your new lead pastor comes in, he or she is going to have a group of people that are more so about the Jesus than you were when Julian Shelby were here. Talk about a blessing to that lead that says, I got a passion in my heart to reach this city. And you guys are like, yep, let's do it. All your issues, they're done. All your problems, all your doubts, they're there, but they're not holding you back anymore like they are now. This is a time to let, as Amy said yesterday, your roots to go deep. And as roots grow, they have to push through rocks and dirt 
and they have, how uncomfortable is that? That's what you're experiencing as a body right now. Don't doubt what God is doing in your life. And starting next Sunday, we're going to talk about how God is growing you as an individual. So again, email me or text me. If you don't, please ask Pastor Peter because I need people up here. I need it. And I want to prepare it ahead of time. I don't just want to do like, well, guess what, Jordan, you're going to come up Sunday and he's not ready for what he's going to share. Okay? And we need to, we need to think through this. Um, again, fill out that church survey. The board needs it. I know it's a lot. I know the questions on there are really deep. Take a half hour of your time and fill it out. And if we can't do that and they don't have enough that they need, this week we'll take time next Sunday and actually fill it out. Okay? Love you guys. Thank you again. Take a deep breath again. God loves you. Yes. Have a good rest of your Sunday.